0: The American cultural story tells us that we can achieve anything we set our minds to. Hard work, late hours, extra study and fortitude can create the future for the life that we've always envisioned for ourselves. But we know that that is often not entirely true. We know that occasionally, perhaps every now and then, someone does rise to prominence seemingly against every possible odd. But most of the time, who we are determines what we become. There was a family in the first church that I served who had farmed the same piece of land since the early 19th century. The Present-day farmer was uh, he loved to tell the story of how his daddy had died of a heart attack in his tractor while he was two rows from the center of the field that he was plowing. This farmer lived in his own grandparents' house at that time. His parents' house sat empty, awaiting his own son, I imagine, to grow up and move into it at some point. That son is now in college. He's in the ag program at the University of Tennessee. When he graduates, he will become what his father and his grandfather and the generations before him became. He will be a dairy farmer and grow corn and soybeans and sunflowers. Who he has been determines what he will become. When I meet with couples for premarital counseling, when they're preparing for their wedding, we spend a fair amount of time talking about the relationships in their families through the generations. We look for particular patterns, patterns of estrangement or support, whether there's a history of heart attacks, miscarriage, divorce, addiction. Who's the black sheep of each generation we look at. Because the reality is families tend to repeat generation after generation the same roles that the previous generation had. Who we have been has great impact on what we become. Barbara Kingsolver plays on this notion of who we are and what we can become in her new book, Demon Copperhead. Drawing on Charles Dickens' understanding, his his plot line in David Copperfield, the main character, Demon, is orphaned, and he bounces around from different foster houses to friends. Uh, He ends up at the football coach's house with an estranged grandmother back again. And Demon reflects, after he loses his mother to an overdose and begins this tumultuous life, he reflects, was this me now for life? taking up space where people wished I wasn't. Once on a time, I was something, and then I turned like sour milk, the dead junkies' kid, a rotten little piece of American pie that everybody wishes could just be, you know, removed. Who we believe we are shapes what we become. Maybe your life has been chaos. Maybe you have felt like a piece of the pie that ought to just be removed. Maybe your family had a predetermined narrative from generation to generation to be repeated. Maybe you were the one who met all the expectations or exceeded the expectations or rejected the expectations, or ran as far as possible from all potential expectations. Just consider in your own life who you believe you are and how those beliefs have shaped what you were willing to take on, accept, hide from, or embrace. The author of 1 John He tells us what we will be, but we come to know what we will be by understanding first who we are right now. See what love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. It's an emphatic sentence. Out of God's love, we become children of God, but that's not just a syrupy sentence a Hallmark card statement. That's not just a pretty phrase. The author goes on to say, because that is what we are. There's the emphasis. This is who we are. We are children of God, loved from death into life. Whatever other narratives you carry about what your life is worth, or what your potential is, whatever failures or shame, the gift of grace is that those narratives are not your principal identity. You are a child of God, someone of immeasurable worth and value, someone who has been called to a holy purpose, an agent of forgiveness and reconciliation, of patience and endurance. The fancy churchy word for such children of God is saints. Now, when we think of the word saints, we often think of particularly holy and devout people, men and women of deep prayer and generosity and sacrifice and abounding love, But in the Bible, whenever the word saints is used, it's always plural to refer to the entire gathered community of Christians. To be a saint is to be a child of God, not because of our potential or because of our performance, but simply because God has chosen to make it so. To be a child of God is to be a saint. And so, who we are, saints, shapes what we become. First John tells us we are God's children now. What we will be has yet to be revealed. We don't know the final end of all of history and time and life. We aren't entirely able to explain in human language what this child of God existence turns into, but we trust in the power that we've heard about and that we've experienced in Jesus, and that gives us hope to live this life of faith no matter the circumstances that we endure. Y'all know we had an officer retreat a couple of weeks ago, our elders and deacons met. Some of you were here for worship when Dr. Tom Toole preached for us on Sunday morning. He was the facilitator of that retreat. In one of the opening activities, he asked all the elders and deacons to write down how they would describe Raleigh Court Presbyterian Church. And when they were sharing back, one of the new elders say, said, uh, this is the kind of church that makes you do stuff. Everybody laughed. I mean that in a good way, he said. Uh, he continued going on. He said, ways that you want to get involved because it helps you grow in your faith. He went on to describe having his two sons baptized in the church and then getting them involved in children's ministry. How he took up the challenge to read through the whole Bible in a year, in our year of the Bible, and then ended up in the third row of a cramped Land Rover going over the roots and rocks of the roads of Haiti on a mission trip. And now I'm an elder on the session, he concluded. And when he said that, I thought about his mom. I got to visit her when she was dying of cancer several years ago. And in one of those visits, I asked her, I said, Susan, what are you most grateful for in the life you've had? And with no hesitation, she said, That my two sons are Christians and that they're active in their churches. Who we are and what we become. In your bulletin today, there's a list of names of people whose baptisms are now complete in their deaths. And in their lives, we've seen who they knew themselves to be as children of God, and then who they became through their lives. Sunday school teachers, choir members, mission advocates, those who cared for the lonely and the forgotten. Hope shaped their lives. People who in slow and often imperceptible ways started to become who they already were." Well, actually, it's who they still are. Because while we don't quite yet know what it is that will be revealed, they do. They see Jesus face-to-face. They know fully who they are, they are pure and shining like the sun. And we have the ability to embrace that identity in our lives right now, that what we are will shape who we will become. No other label need define us. No circumstance deter us. No challenge reduce us. So live, saints. Live. And then die, saints. All of it in hope.